Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. It is so good to be back. <laughs> I did go to church while I was away, but it was not the same. <laughs> and uh, welcome. Good to see you. Uh, if you're new, especially in the last month, I'm Pastor Mark, and my wife and I... Uh, Terry uh, just came back from celebrating uh, 30 years of marriage, 30 years of becoming one. We had a great time. Uh, we went to this little tourist place called Rockaway Beach on the Oregon coast, and I brought a picture to show you where we were. This is it here. That's the view where we had dinner. And during that weekend, Terry said, isn't 30 doesn't that have some kind of significance in the Bible? And so we looked it up, and uh, we found uh, these interesting observations. Joseph was 30 when he's promoted to govern Egypt. David was 30 when he became king. John the Baptist was 30 when he began baptizing. And Jesus was 30 when he began his public ministry. It seems that 30 is symbolic of maturity. And as I thought about what has God been doing um, as we approach our 30th anniversary, I was reviewing my journal, just going back to see things that I had written down that I felt like God had impressed on my heart, uh, things that God had done. And I, I noticed a theme over the last year. Uh, most of it was through prayers that I had written. And one of my prayers has been, God, would you enlarge my heart? Would you increase my capacity to be able to love? The thing that God's been putting on my heart is to learn to love well. And God's been doing that. He's been softening my heart. He's been helping me to be more sensitive to my wife, to my kids, to people. Because, you know, over the years I've learned that our hearts are very delicate very fragile. It doesn't take much to feel hurt. It doesn't take much to get offended. You know, sometimes it might be just something we forgot, or maybe we didn't even mean it. It might not seem like much to us, but to the person that got hurt, it's big. It's a big thing. And God's just been convicting my heart that, you know, we don't, we don't want to hurt people. And so I said, God, would you just enlarge my heart, increase my capacity to love. Help me, Lord, to see people the way you do. And God's been doing that. Um, over the last year, that's what he's been bringing my attention to, sensitizing my heart. And my prayer, my desire is to grow in this area, not just for me, but for all of us. For all of us to grow in learning to love well. You know, in just four years, our church is going to celebrate its 30th anniversary. And my desire, my prayer is that we would be known as a church of believers who are mature, especially in this area of learning to love well. I pray that our kids, our friends, our coworkers uh, would go, you know what? There's this group of people, it's just, I like being around them, 
I, I found a group of people who are fluent in the language of love. And what I mean by that is a place where people feel like they're seen, where they feel like they're heard, where they feel accepted, they feel like they belong, where they feel like they're supported. I think that's what we heard up here today. And when people see that, I, I know that people are attracted to God's heart of love. And I pray that we will represent his heart well that we would develop a culture of honor and a culture of love here at Life in the Sun. And so my desire is that when people visit your home, when they visit our life groups, when they visit our worship service, that they would feel loved. So whether it's in the living room or on social media or in the car or at work, I want us to be a church that loves well. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us. Lord, we are just discovering the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more to experience. And Lord, I pray that you would reveal and unfold the fullness of your heart of love for us, that we might be filled deeply and fully have a reservoir to share with family and friends. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we conclude our series entitled Make Room. I want to thank Pastor Elmore, AJ, Armin, and uh, Chris for presenting a very important topic. Make Room is a phrase about moving aside to make way for another. And in the context of this series, uh, make room is about making room for the Holy Spirit to be able to somehow just do this little dance where we step aside and we let God work in and through our lives. Not relying on ourselves, our resources to be able to do life, but relying on God's presence in us, relying on the Holy Spirit to be able to do life. And this is how we become mature. This is how we learn to love well, by making room for the Holy Spirit. Our passage this morning comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. We'll get there in a minute. Um, the Apostle Paul is the one who wrote this. And uh, keep in mind that the Apostle Paul had this amazing experience on the other side of this life. Um, he actually was taken up into heaven. He said, I know a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, who was taken up into heaven and saw things that are inexpressible. And the things that he experienced were so outside of our realm that there are no words to describe it. And so keep in mind, this is the man who wrote what we're about to read. It was out of his experience that he wrote these words. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, by the way, he didn't say just to move mountains. I mean, an earthquake can do that, but to remove mountains. 
He said, but if I can even do that but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. And in this passage, Paul is comparing two things. He's comparing spiritual gifts with love. Spiritual gifts, if you don't know, are special abilities given by the Holy Spirit to a believer to be able to help others with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. These five verses describe what love looks like. These five verses describe what maturity looks like. This is the goal. This is where God is taking us. This is what he's doing in and through us. And my desire is that we will grow in how we carry ourselves at home, at work, at school, or even using our phones. And so I have a question for you. How would you evaluate yourself in these areas? We can go to the next slide. Don't answer out loud, but on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate yourself in terms of patience? How would you rate yourself in terms of not being proud or not insisting on your way or not being irritable? How about believing and having hope in every circumstance? Leonard, that was a great testimony. Thank you for the encouragement. How about endurance, never quitting and never giving up? I'm asking these questions in order to remind us of our need. I tell you, it's impossible to love when you're tired, when you're stressed out, when you're hurt or you're angry. In fact, sometimes it's hard to respond well on a normal day. It's hard because we either don't know or we forget who we are as God's children. We don't really know who we are. We, we don't really know this treasure that we have within, us, have within us through the Holy Spirit. You know, behavior flows out of identity. It's all about how do we see ourselves? How do we perceive ourselves? Solomon said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. And so... Considering that, I'd like us to do two things in order to love well. Number one is to remember who you are. Remember your identity. That's so important because <clears throat> your identity in Christ, your true identity, is something that will make all the difference in the world. And so I want us to hear it, but I also want us to believe it with faith, and also to receive it. The devil is a deceiver. And he will try to deceive you either not to know to begin with or to forget who you are. Did you know that the devil did that with Jesus? He came to Jesus in the wilderness and he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to turn to bread. And we usually understand that that temptation had something to do with hunger. But if you will recall, not too many days prior, he had been baptized by John the Baptist. 
And John said that the spirit of God descended on him like a dove and a voice came down from heaven and said, you are my beloved son. You're my beloved son. And then not many days after that, Satan came to Jesus and he said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to turn to bread. And he cunningly left out one word, just one word. Jesus had just heard his heavenly father say, you are my beloved son. And then Satan comes and says, if you are the son of God. And he doesn't want us to remember or be reminded that we're loved. As long as he can help us to forget that, he can have an effect. But the, but the moment that we're reminded that we're loved, he cannot succeed. So don't fall for the enemy's trick. Remember who you are, that you are loved. Now, here's why that's important. You can't give what you don't have. We need to hear it. We need to believe it. And then we need to soak in it. And let that truth sink deep in our hearts and just satisfy those needy places. And we come to a place in our hearts where we're content and we're at peace and at rest. And then we have something to be able to give away. A.J. talked about that in his message. He talked about overflowing with the love of God. So that's the first thing that we need to do. First thing you need to remember in order to love well is who you are in Christ. The second thing that we need to do is we need to exchange our old identity for our true identity. Now, this is not easy. This is very, in fact, this is very difficult because there's a conflict that goes on in our mind. In fact, there's a battle. I would state it even stronger. There's like a war that goes on in our thought life. The old identity, it interferes with your true identity. I'll use modern-day Israel as an example. This is a true story. A friend of ours went to Israel to encourage Messianic Jews. Messianic Jews are Jews who believe that Jesus is their Messiah. And she went there with a very specific message. And the message was this. God's favor is upon Israel. But if they're not careful, their negative expectations can prevent them from perceiving and being able to experience God's favor and his love. Now keep in mind the history of the Jews. Their, their standard of suffering is the Holocaust. But their standard of living in modern-day Israel is one of the best in the world. They are blessed, and God is blessing them in so many ways. Agriculturally, um, technologically, militarily, financially. It's just amazing, especially when you consider that they've only been a country for 70 years. God's favor is upon them. But if they're not aware of their negative expectations. It can prevent them from being able to see the favor of God upon them. So our friend was in Israel. She was sharing this message with some of the Messianic Jews. And as she was sharing the message, one of them spoke up and actually said, yeah, right. You're telling me that the God who allowed my grandparents to go to the oven is now going to be nice to us? And then she was able to come right back and go, did you hear yourself? That's exactly what I'm talking about. That attitude, that cynicism is the negative expectation that can prevent you from being able to see, to perceive and experience the favor and the love of God. The reason I share that story 
is because although Israel may be an extreme example, I think the principle in that example applies to all of us because we too have been through hard times. You have been through struggle. You've been through some suffering. And we can unknowingly make some conclusions about life, about ourselves, even about God. And if we're not careful, that negative expectation can come in and steal the truth of what God wants you to know. You know, we become Christians, we enter into this relationship with God, we begin reading his word, or we hear messages about wonderful promises or, or, or truths, like Ephesians chapter 1, that says you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Like, wow, just meditate on that by itself for a while. But if we're not careful, those old lies that the enemy has planted, maybe even long ago, immediately snatch away the truth, the seed, and it can't take root in our hearts. We can't grow in faith and hope and love. But I am convinced of better things for us. Like Paul, we are not unaware of the enemy's schemes. The weapons that he's given us have divine power. The weapons that God has given us are his written word. He's given us the spirit, which gives us revelation about his word, can give us revelation about ourselves. He's given us prayer and fasting. He's given us tools to be able to destroy speculations, these ungodly thoughts that the enemy plants, these seeds that he plants in our hearts to cause us not to be able to see and experience the favor and the love of God. And as the Holy Spirit reveals to you, what are some of these ungodly thoughts? What are some of these attitudes that I carry with me? They resonate in my heart, and they're at conflict with God's word. And as the Lord reveals to you what those are, they could be things like, I'm bad, or I'm inadequate, or I'm not that smart, or I'm limited, or people don't like me, or people don't hear me. Those are just a couple examples of things that we may not say it out loud, but things that we feel inside. And as the Lord reveals what those are for you, you can bring those into the light and just say, God, I, I see it. I see it there. And I confess that that's not in agreement with what you said. Lord, and I turn away from that. I don't want anything that is sin. Where is Van? Earlier he stood up and said all things are possible. The enemy, God can crush the work of the enemy. We just bring that into the light, resist it, submit to God, say, Lord, thank you that you died for my sin on the cross. And those ungodly thoughts, those are sin. They are. But Jesus died for those to remove their power, to strip them of any authority so that they no longer have to have an influence in our lives. It might be present, might try to tempt you, but you don't have to yield to it. As a spirit-filled Christian, you can have the power to overcome that and get free from those things that are not of God. And then to be able to exchange it, that's what we're talking about, exchange our old identity for our true identity. As we do, God will give, us, God will give you the freedom 
to love well. So remember who you are. Exchange your old perception of yourself for the way God sees you and feels about you. He says that I have loved you with an everlasting love. And as you hear it, I encourage you to believe it and to receive it and to soak in it and let it transform your heart. I'll close with this thought. Keep the joy of loving Jesus always. Keep the joy of loving Jesus in your heart and share this joy with all you meet, especially your family. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your great love. Lord, there is so much more in this journey, in this adventure, in your kingdom. And you are encouraging us with hope to trust you that better days are ahead. Lord, not necessarily problem-free, but better days because you are there. And you have given us everything we need to live well. And I pray, God, that as you do a work in our hearts, that you would love.